Welcome to My Adventures in Healing, stories and tales from my messy journey of transformation. Buckle up for a wild and wacky ride because truth is often stranger than fiction. I'm Jamie, and I will be your guide into the twists and turns of my adventurous life. I'm so glad you're here with me. Let's jump right in. Alrighty then. So last time we talked about how divorce for me was this interesting mixture of discomfort, disappointment, discovery. And I mentioned that we would kind of continue exploring the complexities of divorce our uncoupling, the tools that I used, all those things as we move forward. And as I was thinking about what I wanted to share and how I kind of wanted to structure it, it came to me that I wanted to release a double episode because I wanted to talk about two different aspects of what was going on during this time. So part one, I want to talk about like holding space for the complexities of the various truths that were alive at the same time. For me, for my then husband, for our children, for our friends, like I want to talk about that. So I'm going to start with that. And then in the second part, I'm going to talk about the actual uncoupling, the transition, like what unfolded in those weeks and months as we were trying to unwind our lives, our businesses, like the way we navigated day to day together and like what needed to shift. So we're kind of breaking it into two pieces. We're going to start with holding space with the complexity of multiple truths. And then in the other episode, talk about the actual uncoupling and the various tools I use to help me navigate through it. So I want to bring to the forefront this idea of holding space. I've mentioned it before in previous episodes, but I really want to describe it. And maybe I have, I can't quite remember. Um, But it's important enough that I want to make time for it again. So this idea of holding space is creating this space for whatever someone is experiencing or feeling to be honored and valid, right? So if I'm holding space for you, I'm sitting with, being present with, honoring you in the truth of whatever you're experiencing, feeling, sharing. It is not about me responding to it necessarily or trying to solve it or fix it. I'm just honoring, acknowledging, and being present with you in it. This is what I mean when I say holding space for. And so one of the things that I was really intentional about trying to do during this time, and it was connected to what I shared last time, which is this value that was alive for me related to compassion was trying to navigate through our divorce and simultaneously hold space for what was true for me, what was true for my then husband, what was true for our children. I was very intentional about trying to hold space for the complexity of the different truths that existed simultaneously. And this was really a departure for me from things I'd done before. And I don't know, like looking back, I'm not sure if I would have described it then as holding space. That concept probably came more into my awareness during my own like coaching training and um, certification process. But This idea of being compassionate and honoring what was true for somebody else and simultaneously being compassionate and honoring what was true for me, that idea was alive for me during this time. Now, initially, 
you know, my then husband shared his bombshell about wanting to be done and, you know, close the chapter and go our separate ways. And I shared, I think, two episodes ago about how my response was just burning all the sage and meditating and doing some forgiveness worksheets. And then, like, you know, I quickly moved into trying to be the best ex-wife possible and I was going to kick ass at divorce. But we had a lot of things we needed to sort out, right? Like, we were married. We had um, teenage and adult children living with us. We had three businesses together. And I had left my corporate career to work in one of the businesses. And so we were working together day to day and in a small business. So like all these things were going on. Um, So we had a lot to sort out. But we also initially needed to figure out, like, the first step is telling people, right? Like, telling people that we were going to get a divorce. My then-husband asked me for a favor. So we had the conversation about divorcing, you know, him sharing his desire. It was, like, that early part of September, and his birthday was later in the month, And his father and stepmother were going to be coming to visit for his birthday, which also happens to be the same birthday as our youngest daughter. So his family was coming to visit like in two and a half to three weeks. And so the favor he asked of me was, could we please wait to tell the children and tell um, his family and my family and everyone about our divorce until after that visit? And, you know, I was still pretty, like, mired in my people-pleasing patterns. And so um, there was also this, like, desire, again, to kick ass at divorce and to, like, be the best ex-wife. And so that sort of overrode me checking in with myself and saying, "Mm, how would that feel? So, of course, I said yes. I was like, yes, absolutely. But what that meant is those first few weeks while I was like really mired in a lot of grief and some disbelief and like just like all this awareness and a lot of those moments of discomfort and discovery that I shared last time were bubbling up and we were keeping it a secret. So like our children didn't know and they were living with us and His sister worked in our business, and so he and I were working together every day and interacting with his sister. And so all these things were going on, and he had asked me to keep it a secret. And so you can imagine, you know, if you've ever navigated something quite devastating um, in your personal life, it's, it's devastating emotionally. There's a lot going on. I was feeling so many things. And... I had said yes to granting him the favor of painting a normal, everything's fine face on it all. Now, if I had that to do again, I would have said no. Like, that was not a fair request. Not that life is fair, but that was, like, brutal, if I'm really honest. Those two to three weeks of pretending um, when so much was going on under the surface was really hard. And even saying and acknowledging that out loud right now for me, I think is providing some important healing and closure. That was not a fair request at all. And it was really, really hard. Um, There were some tools (laughs) that did emerge during those few weeks that I would continue to lean in, though, that helped me navigate through that. So we're working in this, our family business. You know, his sister is a few doors away. I'm running into him constantly, 
right? Like we're in a very small space pretending that it's business as usual. And I'm seeing day in and day out. I can't get away from him. Like like I'm confronted with this human that doesn't love me and doesn't want to be with me, right? Like, you know, the, the wounded human rejected part of me is like, this fucking sucks and it fucking hurts, right? Like, and I was raw and processing all of this still and hadn't, you know, had the opportunity to make sense of yet and learn from the discomfort and the disappointment and the discoveries like I talked about last time. So those first few weeks were so hard. And what some of the things that helped me, (laughs) there was a song at the time that had come out by, I can't remember the name of the band, but the song is titled Wish I Knew You. And I loved that song. And at the time, I'm somebody that like likes to listen to music when I'm working. And so in our office, I would be in my office within our office listening to music. Um, my Pandora station that I had cultivated that played all the good songs that I liked. And like when that song came on, there was just something inside of me that would light up. Oh, I think the band is the revivalists. Anyway, when that song came on, there was something that would just light up inside of me. And so like I saved it and made a playlist of it and some other songs. And so when I would get overwhelmed during the day and feel like the tears just bubbling up and like feeling like I wasn't going to be able to like, you know, stem the tide of tears. And I was trying right to like maintain composure and to navigate as if everything was okay. I would close my office door and I would hit play on that song and I would just dance and I would just let that song soothe me because it, it just did. It made me feel good. And sometimes I would hit repeat and listen to that song multiple times or I'd let other songs play. And usually it would only take like two or three songs worth to help me just like come back to myself, if you will. And I would sometimes do that multiple times a day. And that just really helped me like when I was feeling that overwhelm just bubbling up. And at the time, I didn't really understand about energetic release or how to like process emotions, right? Like that's a a really effective tool. And I use it now with my clients and use it intentionally on my own. But like I was discovering these things because like I just needed to be innovative and find something that would help. And now I understand more of, you know, like the science and physiology and somatics of it. But but that was a tool that I used during this time because it was tricky. You know, we'd be in a meeting with our other staff members, team members. I'd be sitting across the table from him and feeling all these things and trying to keep my shit together. And, you know, I was trying to be present with what I was feeling and also honor his request and honor what, you know, he desired, which was to not be married. And one of the things that helped me be able to kind of like hold space for these truths was figuring out how to like recenter and reground myself when the waves of emotion started to overwhelm me. And so music, movement, dance, that was even for just like a song or two, it made a huge difference for me. One of the other things I think I had alluded to maybe in one of the episodes, I don't remember when, but I had rediscovered my love of photography in 2016. And then when we were on our trip in Greece, I had started taking more photos. And so photography and creative play was something that also was a really useful tool for me during this time. And I would find myself, if I was overwhelmed, I would just 
walk out of our office. It was in this like industrial park, but there was a fence along the back of the property and there were usually wildflowers growing or vines. And I would just take my phone camera out there and take a walk for five or 10 minutes and take some pictures. And then later, if I needed another 10 or 15 minute reset break, sit with the pictures I took and edit and play with them and just take those few minutes to again, reset myself and tune into something that made me feel good. Because during these first few weeks, there was so much discomfort and there was so many emotions, but I didn't feel like I really had the spaciousness to process or acknowledge them because of this favor I had granted him of not telling people. And so in the absence of being able to be real and authentic about, hey, this is what's going on, right, these tools of helping me like balance out the intensity of the discomfort and the emotion with something that felt good in my body, with pleasure, with something that was enjoyable, like music or movement or this creative play. Those were my lifelines during this time. Like it was super powerful. The third kind of lifeline was taking a shower. Like, and this has become one of my go-to somatic tools today that I use a lot and I encourage um, different clients of mine depending on kind of their energetic makeup and stuff. But for me, like showering, taking a shower and just allowing the water to wash away the emotions, um, allowing myself to cry and release in the shower and picturing like the anguish and the discomfort and the despair, just sort of like washing down the drain, like that was super useful for me. And it was super powerful. And I found myself during this time taking multiple showers a day because it was that like useful. It was that powerful. It was that helpful. And this is a time when I actually was not that happy or comfortable in my body So it had nothing, it didn't even have anything to do with like physical comfort. It was just this energetic release, this process of like letting it wash away, of um, experiencing a release physically, you know, much like a good orgasm. Um, But for me at this time, like the showering and just letting the water cleanse me quite frankly energetically cleanse me felt so good and just felt like a bit of a reset right so I guess like all three of these tools if I had to describe them were like energetic resets for me the music and dancing helped me reset to myself the photography and creative play and like switching my brain off and giving it something to focus on that was pleasurable helped me energetically reset. And then the taking the shower and allowing things to just kind of wash away and release was also an energetic reset. And so those three things would become more and more useful and important to me over time. But in those first few weeks, like instinctually, I sort of just kind of went to them and discovered them. And because I was being present, I noticed how they made an impact. And so I just kept repeating them. So I would say, you know, if you find yourself navigating in a time of discomfort like this, like pay attention to what makes you feel good. And I don't mean like a a temporary feel good, like raging at somebody. I mean like a, like where you feel like a relief, right? Like a, a release and a letting go within and like a resetting and coming back to your like natural state. Like Those things, whatever they are, and they're different for other people, feel free to play with mine or what have you, like, those are so important, especially when we're experiencing overwhelm, emotional overwhelm, when we're navigating through things. These these tools of reset are so powerful. 
So those were things that were like bubbling up and present for me. In those initial first few weeks while I was trying to honor his request of, you know, keeping it a secret and holding space for him not wanting to be with me and me being present with the fact that that hurt him was uncomfortable. So after his um, family visited and left, I kind of was like, okay, so let's, we need to tell our kids, like, I'm not okay with continuing this silence. And this was actually, that was powerful for me. Um, I was thinking about it today. Like, divorce was an oddly, like, important pivot for me out of people-pleasing. This idea of, like, being so jointly connected. And then, like I talked about last time, the the relief and freedom and liberation I felt from being on a joint path to then coming into a singular path. And that aha of, wait a second, maybe I'm not responsible for thinking about somebody else's stuff anymore. Like I get to just think about my own stuff. What do I need? That was probably the first time I was really in my life intentionally starting to think about what do I need and simultaneously letting go of worrying about what somebody else needed. And so even the difficultness of those few weeks granting him the favor, I was sort of frustrated with myself for saying yes. And so that frustration built up and helped I think that sort of aha moment and awareness of, wait a second, he wants to be divorced. That means I don't have to keep catering to his needs. I get to start focusing on me and my needs. And I started advocating for my needs in a way that I hadn't really before, like not vocally, not out loud. Right. And so, you know, I requested, Hey, we, need to like tell the kids. We need to share with them what's going on. I'm not okay with this silence going on indefinitely. If this is what you want, then we need to start making traction on what's next because I'm not okay living this way, which is in this limbo in between, right? Like we were sharing a bedroom. We were sharing a bed. We were sharing life space. We were working together, right? Like we had all these interwoven dynamics and I wanted some clarity. I wanted people to know so that we could start dismantling things if that was the direction we were heading. And so we scheduled a family meeting for like a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. I can't remember. And we were going to, you know, have a big breakfast and sit down and chat as a family. And I went into this meeting with the kids thinking about, again, using this guide of like intentionality. How do I want to show up in this? What is important for me in these circumstances? How do I want to navigate this? What are my values with this? Because I knew it was going to be uncomfortable. I knew it was going to be painful. I was worried. I was worried about disrupting the kids' lives. They'd only been living with us a few months. Here we were going to disrupt everything all over again. And, you know, like, it didn't matter that they were 17 and 20. They're still our kids, right? Like, this was hard and scary and painful. And as a parent, I I didn't want to... I didn't want to cause them anguish, right? Like no parent, I think, ever wants to intentionally hurt the kids. And so as I was sitting with what I wanted as preparation for this conversation with them and meeting with them, I was thinking about how do I want to show up in this? And what had come to me as I was preparing for it was I want to be present I want to be tuned in to what they might need and how to support them. I want to show up in the integrity that feels right for me 
And what that looked and felt like for me is I'm not going to bad mouth or speak ill of their dad. Not today and not ever. And I want to be honest with them. So those were sort of like the four guiding principles that were alive for me heading into that meeting. I want to be present. I want to be tuned into what they need and how I can support them. I will not speak poorly of their dad or critical. And I want to be honest. So we had breakfast. We had made a big breakfast and sat down. We kind of got through the breakfast part. And I, uh, my then husband and I were sitting at opposite ends of the table. And I sort of like said, you know, kind of gave him the eye and was like, okay, this is your, this is your show. I had told him in advance, you need to kick this off. You're the one that wants this. You get to share with them. I will share that we're in agreement now about how things are going to move forward, but I'm not owning this decision. This is your decision. And that was actually a pretty powerful stance for me to take. Or not powerful, but like, again, I was starting to advocate for my truth a little bit more and being like, I didn't want this. You're the one that wants this. So you get to tell them, right? Like that was kind of a line in the sand for me. And I remember him kind of like telling them what was happening that we were deciding to divorce. And they kind of knew something was up. And in fact, we'd had, this is horrible, but we'd had a previous um, family conversation. Similarly, I guess it would have been like a year and a bit before when we had told them about his cancer. And so... You know, their first um, response or their first worry as he, you know, we were sitting down and we said we had stuff we wanted to tell them is they were worried his cancer had come back, right? And so my heart just like felt the pull of that for them, right? And we were like, no, he's healthy, he's fine. Um, But then he shared um, that we were planning to divorce. And I... I remember sitting there and watching the reactions of my girls, right? And my one daughter had tears, like, just pouring down her face. She was, like, her emotions were just flowing out. And my other daughter looked frozen and looked like she was shell-shocked, like, just frozen in time, like, unsure what to say or do or feel. And that was probably, not probably, that was one of the, like, most painful moments of my life. And I can still feel how painful it was. Like, sitting there, experiencing their reactions with them. And knowing that what they were feeling was a result of us not figuring our shit out better, right? Like, as a parent, I was, like, just felt so much, like, frustration with both of us for, like, why couldn't we get our shit together? Why couldn't we figure this out? Look at what we're doing to them in this moment, right? And it was awful. It was a horrible feeling. It was a horrible few moments sitting with, witnessing, holding space for what they were feeling. It was really painful. And I could see how painful it was for them. And so, you know, they had some questions and they were asking what it meant and what was next. And we said we were still sorting some of that out. And I reiterated to them how much you know, I wanted them in my life and, you know, just how loved they were, like, as you want to as a parent and and was very real and alive for me as well, because, you know, I, 
I'm their bonus mom. I was their stepmom, right? Like, I wanted to make sure they knew that even though their dad and I were divorcing, I wanted them in my life still. Because I knew they get to choose, right? Like, they might not want me in their life anymore. And I wanted them to know that I wanted them absolutely. And that was some of the discomfort I felt too, right? Like, knowing that these two incredible humans who I adored and felt so lucky to get to be a bonus mom to, you know, they they were going to have a choice moving forward. Did they want me in their life or not? And that, um, you know, was scary. That was a scary truth about what this potential uncoupling might mean. It was a shift of this family unit and this family dynamic. Um, and so, I, you know, I was feeling all of that. And so we wrapped up, you know, the conversation. And um, I'm sure I hugged the girls. And they walked out of the house. And I remember walking to the front window and looking out the house and seeing them climb into uh, one of their cars together and just be sitting in the car in front of the house. And so I was just standing at the window, continuing to hold space for them and be present with them. You know, like the, the breakfast itself and the sharing with them of what was happening and what was unfolding was painful. But I, there was something inside of me that was like, continue to hold space for them, continue to be present, continue to tune into what's going on, even though that like family meeting has ended. And so I stood there at that window and just looked out at the car and just kind of continued to just send them my love, if you know what I mean. Like just sit there, stand there with my hand on my heart and just wish for the best for them and I saw my oldest no wait actually I think I ended up walking out the front door and sitting on the front porch sitting on the steps there was something inside of me that was just like let them know that you're here for them let them know that you're still here and so I went out and I sat down and I saw my oldest get out of the car and walk towards the house. And our the youngest drove her car around back to park it. And so my oldest just kind of came towards me and I just held my left arm out. And she came and nestled on the step next to me and put her head on my, on my left shoulder. And I just hugged her. And we just sat there in silence for a little bit. And she told me that her sister was moving her car around back and I said okay and we just kind of sat there just like together each feeling our own things and then I heard the door open behind me and I looked back and it was my youngest and she came out and sat down on my right side and I held my arm out and she put her head on my right shoulder and we just sat there, the three of us, just kind of in our own grief and sadness. And then we started talking. And that, those moments with my girls, that particular moment that day, continues to be one of my most treasured memories. It was so beautiful and so sweet. And they were oh, incredible young women in that moment, stepping up and showing me the women they were becoming, sharing with me their dreams and their frustrations and their reactions. And we just talked as women around like relationships ending and they answered their questions and we talked about what we wanted for our relationship moving forward, right? Like how I wanted to be in their lives and how they wanted to be in my life. And it was this really like 
potent, I guess, portal from like the dynamic of us as a family inside me and their dad and them to what it could be as the three of us as a going forward family when we sat out on the porch together. And I reiterated to them, you know, that even though their dad and I were no longer going to be married and we're letting go of the promises that he and I had made to each other when we got married, that the, the vows that I made to my girls on our wedding day were still valid and I still wanted them in my life. And we just had this really special moment of connection. And I'm so grateful for the intentions I set that day to be present, to be focused on what they needed, to not speak ill of their dad, and to be honest with them. And all of those were real and true and alive in the conversation that we shared on the front porch. And it was just so fascinating to me in reflection later that day and continues to be that in the span of a few hours, I could experience one of the most painful and heart-wrenching moments of my life and one of the most special and beautiful and incredible moments. And that what made that possible was being present and those intentions I set, right? Like being willing to sit in that discomfort and hold space for it, to be willing to hold space for them, to be willing to not have the answers and say, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's do our best to stay connected and love each other through this. And that set the tone for the relationship moving forward. And my girls and I continue to have an incredible relationship today. And, you know, we're almost six years later and they continue to be my girls. And um, we continue to have this really special connection and relationship. And, you know, I think one of the things that's so challenging with divorce or the end of these, like, significant, right, intimate relationships, particularly when there are children involved or other family dynamics involved is, like, what does that mean for all the different relationships, right? Like, there's there were so many different relationships that were impacted. It wasn't just the relationship between my husband and I. It was the relationship between him and his girls. It was the relationship between me and the girls. It was the relationship between he and I. It was the relationship between him and my family members, between me and his family members, right? Like the relationships within business, the relationships within community. I felt it at the time, but I didn't understand it. But I would, it would, come to me with greater clarity in the weeks and months as I continued to process the grief of letting go. And I I remember writing some reflections on it at the time, but that, that divorce or the end of a major relationship is really a series of like many little relationship deaths, right? Like it's, it's, it's changes or the end of something and the beginning of something else in so many different dynamics. And I think this is one of the reasons why it's so painful or can feel so painful, so overwhelming. It's not just the change of one thing. It's the change of so many things and it can feel like the end of so many things. And so having the opportunity to be aware of that, to be intentional about it, to be thoughtful and say, okay, this is changing, but what do I want it to be moving forward? What do we want it to be moving forward? Can be really powerful to help navigate through that. 
how do I want this to look moving forward? I can't change that it's changing, but how can I be thoughtful and intentional about the way it's changing so that I can shape it? Um, And I definitely experienced that and learned that with my girls, right? Like that I could be intentional about saying our family relationship is changing, but what I want with each of you is to continue to have a loving relationship. So what does that look like for us as we move forward? We get to choose that. And that, you know, being able to set that course together, I think helped us all. It helped us navigate. It helped us focus on what was important, right? Like focus on what was essential for each of us. We, that day sitting on the porch together, my girls told me they wanted me in their life. And I told them I wanted them in my life. And I shared how Much I needed to hear that because I was scared and unsure. And they said that was part of what they were reacting to as well was what does this divorce mean for them in relation to our relationships? You know, they were like, well, our dad is our dad, but like, does this mean we're going to lose you? And, you know, I said, I hope not. (laughs) Like, I know your dad is your dad, but I don't want to lose you. Right. Like, so like sharing those fears and sharing the truth of the uncertainty around what might unfold and choosing how we wanted it to look helped us navigate forward um, in alignment, right? And in together, like we were in that together, sitting there on the porch, figuring out what did we want it to look like moving forward. So I, I share that because There are, well, one, because it's one of the most impactful experiences of my life. And two, because, like, I think this is important to remember, right? Like, yes, there is stuff ending and we get to choose how we move forward even if we don't know what it's going to look like, right? Like we were all honest with each other that we weren't sure what it was going to look like. I didn't give them answers that weren't real. I didn't tell them things that weren't true. I said, I don't know what's next. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling now. But let's plan and promise to stay tuned into each other and figure it out as it unfolds. And I will keep you in the loop, right? Like, I think that that's really important, particularly with our children when we're navigating through stuff, is be honest, share what we know, share what we don't know, share what our plan and timeline is for figuring it out, share the realness um, of the circumstances, right? To the extent that it makes sense and is age appropriate, obviously, right? Like, for us, it was a little easier. The kiddos or older, um, and understanding a lot of the, you know, relationship dynamics themselves, having been in relationships already at that point. But like, I think realness, um, and sincerity and vulnerability is really important with our kids too, right? Like, and I was blown away by the way, my kids showed up, the way that they showed me the young women that they were and had become, you know, I didn't treat them like children. And so they showed up like adults. Um, And I was blown away by their compassion, their fieriness, their intuition, their, their wisdom, right? Like, their perspectives like they showed me who they were because I showed them who I was right and so that was a really important experience it made a huge impression and it kind of set the tone for a lot of my other interactions as things started to unfold I would carry with me that experience 
I mean, I carry it with me today. It's one of my most treasured memories. But I would carry with me the surprise and delight I experienced from sharing my truth and vulnerability and uncertainty with them and how they showed up in it. Um, And I was also surprised by how it felt to hear from them how important I was to them. I let them love on me and I would carry that discovery forward with me too, you know, and it was one more piece of evidence of like how different it was and is to allow ourselves to be seen in our vulnerability and authenticity and the gifts um, that we receive when we do that. And so my experience with my girls really just made such a huge impact in my heart. And I'm so grateful for it. So that kind of like caps off that this first few weeks of what was unfolding and kind of takes us through the end of September. You know, we were, we, we told people at work. Um, I think I sent an email to my family. I think my then husband told his family. You know, we started sharing with people what was unfolding and we were starting to figure stuff out. And it would take us a couple months to navigate what I would call in like my former consulting speak, our transition. So, you know, I guess September was sort of this month of coming into alignment on truth of divorcing, um, sharing it with people. And then the last few months of the year, we're going to be this time of transition, figuring out what did that look like? Um, would I still work in our family business? If not, what would that mean? How did we, how would we like dissolve these businesses? What would we do with the house? Like what would happen? You know, like all that stuff, all the logistical things and starting to make decisions independently, right? Like we had things to sort out together, but we also each needed to figure out our paths forward independently and what that would look like. And so I, you know, in September had some inklings. I had some thoughts. I had some perspectives of what might I want, but it was largely unknown and was sort of what I wanted was overshadowed in many ways by what I was feeling and all these perspectives, discoveries, etc., that were kind of like crashing in around me constantly and navigating through holding space for our kiddos and what I was feeling and what my then husband might be feeling and what the people around us, you know, like just being aware of what this meant because it was a major ripple in all of our lives. And so it would take us a couple months for those ripples to play out and sort of sort out and kind of calm down. But that's what I'm going to focus on next time is that time of transition and some more of the tools that I started using, kind of what started to unfold, what I started to experience, and some of the choices I started making as I began operating from this perspective of, well, what do I want my path forward to look like if it's not going to be what it has been, right? Like, I was starting to come into this realization of, wow, this is a major life change. What do I want next? And what if what I want next is radically different from where I am right now? So that's where I'm going to stop today. I guess what I want to leave you with is that 
you know, the truth is multifaceted, right? Like the truth of what we were each feeling and experiencing was super complex. It was multifaceted. There was a lot going on for everyone. And and I think that that's like the nature of these major life changes. They're not simple, right? There's not one definition, one experience. They're nuanced. They're complex. They're like tightly woven tapestries of emotion, experience, perspective, right? Like it is incredibly complex. And so if you're navigating through any sort of major life event or transition, I would just encourage you to be gentle and compassionate with yourself and with other people and to honor the complexity of what you might be experiencing, feeling, thinking, because it's a lot, right? Like major life changes are major and it's okay to feel overwhelmed, uncertain. And I guess most importantly, it's okay not to know. Like, I don't know is a really honest answer. I don't know what's next. I don't know what the path forward is. I don't know what I'm going to want tomorrow, right? Like, don't be scared of, I don't know. I don't know is really powerful and honest and You can be in deep integrity by sharing your truth if your truth is, I don't know. That sometimes not having the answers is the right answer. When things are intense and complex and there's a lot going on, sometimes like just being present, letting the chips fall where they may, Sorting through it slowly, slowly, one day at a time is the best path forward. So the truth is multifaceted, complex, and I don't know is an important aspect of the truth. So with that, I send you much love and I will talk to you again soon. I hope you've enjoyed today's stories and tales from my messy journey of transformation. If any of what you heard today resonates with you and you desire to explore any of the themes further or to be in community and connection, bonus content is available to you. Tips, tools, resources, connection, and more. Visit my website, adventuresinhealing.co and follow the prompts for behind-the-scenes podcast access and bonus content. You will also find information on how to connect with me directly and the mentoring services and programs I offer. My life has become an adventure in healing, discovery, and aliveness, and yours can too. I hope to connect with you soon. Much love, and please remember, live your adventure because you are the magic.